Good question. That's what we're about to be saying to all of you because you've arrived on our show. Good question. It's pretty good, right? Pretty good. Okay, this is a show <laughs> where we uh, take the time to talk about whatever you want to talk about. If you're there in the chat, write your questions down. Those will be the things we're grabbing from here live and trying to have a conversation as we make our way through this amazing collage of uh, takes on reality that uh, the Swedenborg gives us, where it's intersect with your life. What do you want to know about? What do you want to hear us fumble around and, and desperately try to come up with a, a good sounding answer <laughs> on? It can happen right now. My name is Curtis Schultz, and I'll be hosting and sort of anchoring the panel. And then to my left, we have Cara Dom with us today, who is Latin consulting for the New Century Edition as we speak. Yes. Um, and then, then everyone's saying, who's this? Well, you probably already know this guy. This is Chris Dunn, community manager. And if you write into our channel, there's a good chance he's one of the people who's responded to you. So Chris does a lot of cool stuff in taking all of your questions throughout the week and making sure they get answered. So now, shoes on the other foot and you're gonna help us answer them right now. Uh -oh. um, <laughs> which I remember Chris was just saying before we started, like, oh, sometimes I see the questions you guys get on this show and I'm like, oh man, glad I don't have to tackle that one. <laughs> And now you do. And Chris has got his uh, laptop computer thing, so he's going to be able to see what you guys are saying in real time and, and get up some of your extra responses to it. I don't know what you're going to do on that. Who knows? Thing. I blocked most of the sites on the internet, <laughs> so you won't be able to go anywhere. Uh, and then, not last but not least at all, we have Karin joining us, writer for Swedenborg and Life. Hey, Karin. Hello. Happy Swedenborg Monday. Happy Swedenborg <laughs> Monday to you, too. Awesome. Now, everybody. I already told you how to play the game. Let's uh, let's like and subscribe. That's the first step in any of the games. Uh, that's important. It seems like a hoop to jump through. It means something to our channel and the, the analytics, and it gets us onto the YouTube. You know, need I say more? Put your two questions in the chat. All right, let's uh, let's now get to our very first question, and uh, that starts like this: If you go, this is Tacitus. How's it going? It says, if you go from lower parts of heaven to higher parts, does your spiritual spouse? Go with you. So this is already like, if you're somebody who's watching this show for the first time, you're out. We lost you because you've got to know multiple Swedenborg concepts to get at this question. You've got to know that there are these different, you've got to know there's heaven, which is life after death. A lot of people will be on there. There's these different layers of it. Swedenborg talks about the natural, spiritual, and heavenly, that these are very distinct states of being, right? And then that, that marriage can last through the death of the body, that you can still be married to the same person. And you guys have the same friends and stuff, but in particular, you got your, your marriage can continue to grow on that side. But also then, yeah, you can rise up and down levels. So you got to know all that to get to this question. Sorry, there's no time to explain it except for what I just did. So but what do you guys think? Uh, you know, if So if we're moving now, you know, Swedenborg sometimes seems to say that you stay in the level that you are, but at other times seems to be changing communities. And But you definitely, in the beginning, when you're in the spiritual world, do a lot of moving around, you know, do do you have to worry about like, oh, where's Johnny? He was here a second ago, and mm. now I left him back in the natural heaven. You know, <laughs> is, is that what happened? So what do you guys think? Chris, do you want to start? You're, yeah. you're brand new, man. You yeah, want to start yeah. Here we go. Yeah. I'm going to get the rust off right now. <laughs> uh, so while I want to frame this a little bit differently, I want to say that, uh, one thing that's really valuable to me to know is that the Lord is constantly trying to bring people together. And particularly in the afterlife, love is kind of like spiritual glue. Yeah. And there's this promise that what we experience as like uh, sentiments of love now between uh, someone that we care about, that is only enhanced. And that's only going to be a bridge that we will kind of walk on with someone and meet them on uh, yeah. That will be a promise of continued growth and relationship into eternity. So 
while I'm curious to see what you guys have to say about uh, different parts and where people are and if they're going to have some dissonance between those parts, uh, I do know that like heaven's working towards true love. Heaven is unceasingly working towards union between two angels becoming one. And that promise is something I get pumped about. Yeah. <laughs> Good, man. Thank you. Yes. Cara, do you have any? Uh... Um, my gut response is, and I, I could be wrong about this. Impossible. But my <laughs> Impossible. We've, we've vetted everyone who's on this show. They're not wrong about yeah, you're, you're clear. Okay. Yeah. Um, I always feel like the um, I've always thought anyway that the sorting process about which level of heaven you end up in which is sort of irrelevant to me in a way you're just where you can breathe and where where it works to yep. be alive um, but that that happens before you're like totally paired up with your partner and may like it would happen in the world of spirits as opposed before you make your final choice for heaven um, and that's how I've always thought of that, so yeah. that you and your partner would be on the same page. If you're but that doesn't make sense because some somebody goes first usually. Oh. Um, I just I just I think of it as being already sorted out, so that you're yeah. not like in heaven and then together you're wandering around. Right. I always think of it like after you die, you're in the world of spirits, figuring out who am I, what do I love when that sort of basic decision is made you find a home and then in that home is your partner right well and there's a specific it even goes so far as to say there's a specific place for every person a specific spot in every room mm -hmm. where you feel comfortable it's not like arbitrarily you're somewhere and where's your spot if you're the same yeah. soul wise you're going to the same spot yeah Karin, what do you what do you think about all of this yeah i think that you really can think the term soulmates that it means a you know bonded mind and heart and if you're in heaven i think the question said you know in in levels of heaven if anyone's in heaven already then you are either already with your partner your soulmate partner your conjugal love partner and that's not going to dissolve like marriages don't dissolve in heaven um, they, in the world of spirits, people can be sorting out, oh, was my relationship a, a, it, a deep one or was it a surface one and blah, blah, blah. But in heaven, everybody knows who their partner is, meaning either you um, enter with your partner because you already have that partner or you meet somebody there in heaven if you had not found your soulmate yet. And that is, uh, you know, what God has joined together, let no no one separate, it says in the Bible. And th that uh, to me means it, it's not about um, earthly marriage ceremonies. It's about a union of mind and heart. And that is what God does between two people when they have found each other. And that doesn't dissolve, you know, no matter what one is going through, the other is going through with them. You are a team. You are, Swedenborg says, it's like you are um you know, you're joined in heart and mind. You are like a heart and lungs going <laughs> somewhere together. So you're not exactly the same person. You're a team, but you are definitely uh, bonded. And whatever you go through, you, you go through together. Whatever changes you go through, you go through together. So you would 
could stay together wherever you go. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what's what's sort of the emotional potency behind the question. And so I think I feel like on the one hand, you have this question of what if you're, let's say, you know, thinking about life in a new way and kind of ascending up, but your partner's not, are you stuck with that? Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, or do I need to be worried about I'll lose this person I really love if I go over in this direction? Because in the world, relationships can be imbalanced like that and and the whole thing of what makes a marriage and not a marriage is relatively arbitrary it's like you know you can go to las vegas and then are you married right yeah so swedenborg has this very rational take on that yeah you get to the afterlife and you everybody has a sorting out process of where you're really like deeply compatible and even down to like there could just be one person you're actually compatible with so if i'm trying to think of like what what would drive you know you somebody ask this question that's all sorted out but then the does it does you if you go to one part does your spiritual spouse go with you i think about individualistic cultures versus collectivist cultures i don't know if collectivist is the right word but that some cultures think primarily about the individual which i think united states where we are does that other cultures primarily think about the group heaven is the group it's like oh i'm my lungs went this way and my heart went that way it doesn't happen the, the things move as a unit even though they're distinct once you're in the heaven in that that kind of conjugal relationship that Swedenborg is talking about, there, it's not. There's not something going on with one person that's not going on with the other. There's a, but even even more so, Swedenborg talks about people moving around till they get to communities in heaven. Mm-hmm. But then that's he talk, doesn't talk about people <clears throat> then leaving those com- communities may move. But pe- you know, you mm-hmm. are with your soulmates. You mm-hmm. know, with with your the place you're meant to be and be useful. So that whole thing is is moving together. It's not like oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm here in heaven and I'm in my community and there's my spouse. And but I started really reading some books and listening to podcasts and I'm really learning things and they're not because they just watch TV after. That that's not how it is. This is almost like you becoming part of the same organism, right? Mm. So. Uh, does anybody have anything final? Any rebuttals to all that stuff? Okay. <laughs> Okay, then let, then thanks so much, Tacitus, and let's, uh, let's uh, celebrate by going to another question. <laughs> Robert T. Rode asks, as things have changed in the natural world since Swedenborg's century, what do you think has changed in the spiritual world or in heaven since Swedenborg's lifetime? And I'm really glad, Robert, that you asked that question, which I don't know if we've ever gotten that particular question, mm-hmm. because I think it's, I always like to clarify that we have a, we have a show coming up called your how to get a home in heaven which we'll be you know announcing mm. at the end of this show but we you know Swedenborg describes what the houses are like in heaven and all oh, these like cool palaces and stuff Th- that's 250 years ago you know, that that just because people so people can tend to think of an afterlife as static and frozen in time or uh, sort of from antiquity and everything has to be a little old-timey and old-fashioned there but no they, the trends and, and and tech startups whatever's going on here that's got its roots in the spiritual world so it's moving right the spiritual world is moving and, and ahead of a curve of where we are so the question is what do you guys think is is going on there yeah, you know, over the last uh, couple hundred years. years. Mm. Yeah. One, uh, please. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, one thing that I think really excites me about the time we're in now is that there's a lot of changes happening in the natural world where we are, um, and a lot of that has to do with, like, the what I see is the beginning of a fulfillment of this promise of the new church, mm-hmm. this like collective society that is not only taking in ideas, uh, learning ideas and then acknowledging their usefulness and 
helping you evolve as a loving being. Yeah. But then letting that change not only your heart, but everyone around you. And we see it uh, in the, you know, I happen to have a chance to work with our community uh, all the time. And the gift for me is to see just how many people in our community are embodying the the promise of this new church ideal being uh, that you're showing up, you're looking at yourself, what are your barriers to love, and uh, learning something from these teachings that can replace those barriers yeah. that help you to kind of infuse the state of mind that is heaven inside of yourself. And that over time is going to change the spiritual world. It's going to add depth and, uh, mm. and substance to the spiritual world. Um, that to me is just a, a mutual benefit for us here yeah. uh, doing this work, but also for the guys upstairs, if you know what I mean. Well, I think about, um, we just were recently doing a show about the natural world being the plane of thought for the spiritual world. And I do think of whatever important people absorbing the concepts the Swedenborg concepts do provide a certain kind of spiritual habitat mm. because that the whatever's going on in heaven can terminate in a different way in those concepts mm-hmm. than it can in those of other religious traditions or those of other um, you know other societal ideas. So I do wonder, like, what does that make space for in, in that little? Is there a neighborhood that's drastically affected by? people finding these ideas, the Swedenborg ideas, and, and taking them and putting them into life. So, yeah, Carl, what do you think? What's what's going on? What's the What, what stock should I buy in the spiritual yeah, world? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, a conversation that's come up many times in my life is, are there cars in heaven, or are there going to be cars in your heaven? That's <laughs> how it usually yeah. comes out. And that it is true that my own images of it tend to be sort of old-fashioned, but I'm sort of drawn to old-fashioned in general. Yeah. But as you said, everything that happens in this world originated in some way in the spiritual world. So the, the explosion of tech in the world, for instance, and just like Facebook or the Internet, like that is a reflection of how people can share thoughts and, and love uh, spiritually which happens in heaven all the time. And now we can suddenly just be in connection with somebody halfway across the world anytime we want. It's, mm. it's kind of like, oh, that really is, that's a spiritual truth that is now manifested in this world. But I, yeah, I, like I said, I don't know. I don't want cars in my heaven, but, <laughs> but maybe there will be. Well, uh, we'll take that <laughs> off the list. <laughs> oh, and I think too about this idea of this, Everything in the spirit, in the physical world has an origin in the spiritual world, but but through correspondences, like it's not that there's necessarily oh they just built the 2020 Tesla Model Three in heaven, so we'll see it in six months here. Yeah, right, but right. but the car the correspondence of horses mm-hmm. in Swedenborg's time was with the way people understand life right. or understand truth. So are the cars that we zip around in now some kind of correspondence to the way mm. people are thinking? You know, there. And, but I do wonder, because like Swedenborg does talk about, well, this angel is represented by a chariot coming up. Is there an angel represented by a, like a Ford Mustang or something like yeah, you know, Like right. some kind of a distinctive automobile? One, yeah. yeah. Karen, w- tell us the truth. What's, what's going on with all this? I, I have definitely thought about that, that cars have taken the place of what horses were in Swedenborg's day and, and the representation of our understanding carrying us around. So I, I do think that that would be reflected in the spiritual world and that the environments would be changing uh, because the environments are created through the minds of the people there. And so 
as we come into the spiritual world, pe people with different um, kinds of environments in their mind that, that represent different states of mind, the, the representations would change, you know, they would, they would adapt. And of course there could be tons of variety because like Kara, somebody could have <laughs> a more old fashioned uh, environment around them or a more, more modern looking one. Um, some other thoughts that came to me is Kara uh, mentioning the the tech. I I have thought about how um, I feel like the as technology advances and becomes a little bit more like the spiritual world, like with the internet, how we can now be in contact with each other instantly through common interests and and um, and affections. That is that making people uh, even better equipped to adapt quickly to the spiritual world, um, the way things work there. And are things like having to learn how to discern between spam emails and, and legitimate ones? And is that helping people when they cross over to um, more quickly adapt to this thing of, of um, spirits, you know, like being able to discern quickly, oh, nope, that's something I don't want to uh, invite in. And that's something I do. Um, I wonder about things like that. How it's, is it, um, getting us more um, connected with the spiritual world in terms of how, how things work, because we now have um, interesting models of, of what Swedenborg describes, of how thought works and, and everything in the, in the spiritual world. I wonder if there is m even more unity in, in heaven now than there was 250 years ago, because uh, with us, um, you know, we be become more in touch with all sorts of different kinds of people on earth than there were a few hundred years ago. And does that give us more, um, uh, you know, more societies that are closer together? Swedenborg says for every person that comes into the spiritual world, into heaven, um, acts as a link between others that were already there. And that would same would go for communities. So new communities forming from more people coming in, is that creating more links? And so I would, I think there's probably even more uh, unity, like more connections between everybody in heaven as time goes on. And uh, I think, oh, the last thing I'll say is that um, definitely like you guys were saying, uh, things exist first in the spiritual world and then come to earth. But also uh, as we gain more understanding on earth, we get more um, like of science, for instance, as we gain more understanding of science and how nature works and how our bodies work and things, we get more vessels in our mind that can hold these spiritual concepts that they correspond to. So um, is that helping the wisdom uh, grow more exponentially in, in heaven and the, and the spiritual world to have uh, more understanding of um, things in the physical world that then can be filled with the correspondential understanding in, in heaven. So those are some thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to, uh, you know, piggyback on the thing you said about inter interconnected communities, because if I was to point at something that I think is like really different now than it was when Swedenborg was describing it, is he does have this these addendums uh, in, in one of his books, maybe it's True Christianity, about different people from different countries mm -hmm. in the spiritual world. And he mm -hmm. talks about that uh, what country you're in, you kind of gather with people from your same country, 
after you die because all the, the gathering has to do with state of mind and there was really these distinct mindsets he focuses on the countries of europe you know that he was familiar with and says this is how because in uh britain they have the free press that a lot they think this way so in a different spiritual light and so they stick together whereas now the world is so much more interconnected mm -hmm. than it was that you really I mean, this whole phenomenon of you having these cities around the world that are just chock full of people from everywhere uh, and that just being kind of a, a a normal thing in a lot of countries now that's gotta be um you know coming from a spiritual world that's much more integrated now mm -hmm. than it was the same thing with religion i, I think that and Swedenborg said that you, that, he, that you could sort of demarcate where people end up in the spiritual world because of their religious beliefs, because that really affects the mind. But I think people these days, if you just look at YouTube, uh, th this channel is a, 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 a case study for that because there's so many people who are sure, maybe affiliated, maybe not with some kind of religious traditions, but are independently thinking enough that they'll take something like a weird Swedenborg thing and weigh it and see what do I want to latch on to. So I do wonder if there's not the same kind of um, divisions mm. in the spiritual mm. world that there were then, because now you can read those, and Swedenborg seems so with it and connected, but some of that is like, this is almost like a little artificial that things are divvied up this way, but really, like, in, in Swedenborg's day, you traveled a little, but not now, where you're just, everybody's been to countries and hopped on planes, and it's just the way of the world, and you get all of your electronics from different countries, and we're just more connected, and yeah. so is a spiritual world, too, and I wonder if that, because he I'm talking for a while on this one, but <laughs> I wonder, that, no, who can stop me? No one. I'm, I'm the host. Like, I'm supposed to be the stopper of people that talk too long. We but have no power against will, him. Who will guard the guards or watch the watchers or whatever that is. Um, when he also talks about, he says things like people in their own community don't generally venture that far outside of their community mm. because they do a lot of good. They're in touch with the whole heaven, but they do it from within their own community and uh, and also that there's there's not much communication between the different levels of heaven because the thoughts are so different. I wonder if there's now stuff that's, mm. you know, like the akin to the kind of technology that allows, you know, even like um, Rosetta Stone that allows these different uh, countries that speak different languages to connect. Is there something similar that can allow the different heavens to connect more? And are people more freely traveling from community to community? Mm, I would think so. there's got, if the world has changed in that direction, there's got to be some analog in there spiritual world and two more things i'm just kidding okay <laughs> thanks robert that was great let's uh let's do one more be, uh, before the the break uh jonathan ale or neil i've heard that god loves everyone and doesn't send anyone to hell does this mean that god doesn't avenge us when someone harms us great question mm. so you may say that sounds great that nobody goes to hell but what about so you're just what about the victim you know in in these mm. cases and you just gotta you know read a little bit of the news to get all up in arms about like all the terrible things that people are doing to people yeah and if there's are you just saying God's just like it's fine it's fine you did that you did that that's all right what about the person who's been hurt and has to deal with a lifetime of of em emotional mm. harm from this kind of thing so. What's the deal with that? Guys, come mm. on, this should be easy to sort out. Yeah. Oh, yes. Let me uh, just take out the blueprint. Yeah, right, right, right. Um, so uh, what do we want to do? Um, Karin, I know that we usually don't go to you first, but, you know, it's a new day. The spiritual world is new. You know, maybe we will uh, <laughs> we'll go to you first on this one. What do you, what do you think? <laughs> um, well, of course, the big thing that Swedenborg talks about as far as evil and people doing terrible things to one another 
is that evil brings its own punishment. And in the spiritual world, no one just gets off for um, doing terrible things. Um, if that is the kind of heart they have built, um, they that very um, that very attitude of cruelty comes back at them. And we talked about that in our recent show, What Is Hell Really Like? That hell is um, somebody who has built that kind of world around them of, of cruelty or whatever it is. And they are then surrounded by that, by other people like them. And it, it comes back at them. Um, God does, God is pure love. So is not vengeance, but it doesn't, um, you don't need God to avenge because God, God's order has, um, evil punish itself. Like that is just how it works. And I'm thinking of, um, our show rediscovering forgiveness and that um, uh, peace does not come from vengeance is, is what people who have lived. Uh, well, I'm thinking of Eva core that uh, Chris recently talked about um, at a church service where, because she recently passed away. And if you go to our show called rediscovering forgiveness, she spent, um, she was in the concentration camps, ter terribly abused, by the people in charge, but her wanting vengeance didn't bring her any relief or any peace. And it was through forgiveness that she was freed from that. So I think that everyone in the afterlife um, who has been a victim of something terrible will be completely safe. You know, that the worldly experiences of pain will fall away because that is just their earthly self, not their spirit. And they will be able to be freed from that um, through the power of forgiveness, which is simply just being able to let it go, let it shed off and to, to trust that, that if people have built a world of cruelty around them through doing terrible things to other people, that is going to be <laughs> taken care of. Like they will be um, having to deal with that themselves, what they have built, whereas any victims will be freed from that and at peace and unable to be unable to be hurt anymore. So those are just some thoughts. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks so much. Mm -hmm. and, and I love some of the principles you introduced there. Do you guys want to expand or expound on that at all? I can if you... You go. Um, I th we yeah. got to have a buzzer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I want to kind of... Uh, honor what Karin said and try to take it also now from a different angle, which would be that, um, you know, this is obviously a sensitive question. And I often find myself like when I, like in my own life, I've felt the victim, but I've also challenged myself to acknowledge me as a perpetrator. You know, there, life isn't always uh, binary. Uh, like you're not always just one end of the spectrum. You're kind of in flux in the natural world here between good and bad. And so um, I do know that God is unceasingly working towards building bridges with me. And also, if I'm, if I'm feeling like I'm the victim in this certain situation, he's unceasingly building bridges with the perpetrator. Because the reality is, um, you know, particularly when I'm feeling like maybe I did something wrong, knowing that God still loves me, he knows me, he knows that I, there's a better version of myself out there waiting to be uh, embodied through better actions and better living. Um, that to me is important to remember. Um, 
sometimes I can get caught up into thinking that I'm just, um, I'm, I'm hurt and that hurt will always, uh, sometimes in my own life, it sometimes blinds me from seeing some of the work I could do as well and righting my own uh, wrongs. Yeah. So just an, another angle to see it that I've personally had to do some work in um, for what it's worth out there. Great. Thank you so much for sharing that. Mm. Cara, do you have any other thoughts on the whole uh, subject? Yeah. Thinking about God, God loves everyone, God is love. Uh, God is not a punisher. And I think the miracle is that he is always using unfortunate circumstances that maybe never should happen but he's using them to lead to good in some way and that uh i've just been through something and when i was looking it was tough but i was looking for what is good in this situation where can i see god shining through the the dark places and um yeah, that that like old Mister Rogers. Look for the helpers. There's always something bright around the edges. Um, hopefully, always. <laughs> I say, <laughs> but um, so leading us, leading us towards goodness, no matter what the circumstances of the moment are, no matter how terrible. Yeah. The promise is that he's leading us to our best eternal happiness. So. Yeah, Mr. Rogers is so good. I've been watching them recently because I, I know somebody who's the age that would watch them. Um, and they're good, and they're really good. Okay, so um, I know there's like a dot, dot, dot in there, so there may be some text that we're missing, but the, 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 the way I could see this question being asked, there's a couple of things that I want to respond there. It doesn't matter what you did. It doesn't matter what anybody did ever. It matters w what you believe about what happened now. You think about the difference between somebody who committed some kind of crime or something mm -hmm. and is unrepentant and doesn't care or, or actually gets a uh, joy out of the a fact that they did something like that. How different is that than the person who is mortified at what they did mm. and would, ch would, go, would suffer anything to go back and change it if they could but can't? Um, mm. it's, if you think about it, we're talking about the state of, of angels is to not regard the person, but regard goodness and truth or evil and falsity. So if, if what getting into the angelic state of mind is, is like, I love what's good and true, and I really don't like what's evil and false, if I did something evil, uh, th then I, just because it's mine, I'd, I'm not liking it. Now, I, that I would be the one that says, like, wait a second. I can't just get away with having done it. Like the, their justice has not been done here. So whatever that means, the, I can imagine if I was in a really good state of mind, I wouldn't want to. I would want to. Like how can this be? How can I repay this kind of thing? Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thought. But then also, there's no ratio between what's finite and what's infinite. There's no ratio between what's finite and what's infinite. So it doesn't matter. There's in this is why I mentioned these dot the dots because if you're thinking of hell as can God like avenge and send somebody to hell for something they did to someone else, there's no crime that you could justify that because it's, it's infinite. You know, if you're, talking, if you're talking about hell forever, which is like the common belief about hell, there's no crime that's, that's worth an infinite sentence, mm -hmm. you know, because you're never fully rational enough to get that. And, and so that wouldn't really be the best vengeance anyway. That'd be over-venging no matter what. But then on the, on the good... I'm just like this deep into it. Like, have any of the, have I finished any of these points? But um, <laughs> on the other side, no matter what 
suffering somebody goes through, you know, let's say on the victim side of it, um, that that's finite the amount of suffering they go from that the goodness that god will bring out of that for their eternal happiness is infinite you know so so no matter what we go through in life even though life can seem way more than we can handle and does you know i, I like listen man i'm the first one first in line at the complaints about life office right when it opens um <laughs> but but if god is if god is operating as swedenborg says, which is that whatever happens to you that's bad, I'm actually working it so that that contributes your, what you learn from there or what that clears up. Or like, you, Chris, you, you say in there, like, I'm looking, where am I the bad person? Whatever that opens up in you is going to repay that pain to an infinite ratio because of what it's going to equip you with to go on and be happy. Then I don't have to worry about feeling sorry for the people in the same mm. way. Like, you're always trying to stop stuff, but realizing in the end, it's sort of like, Oh, you know, even 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 the most intense stuff is like, oh yeah, well I didn't get, I didn't get to have that marshmallow, but somebody gave me the deed to a house. You know, like there's not a ratio, even though there is a ratio between those. Um, so those are that that's a couple of the things that I think about when I see that. Okay, everybody, great. Well, on that note, let's uh, let's do you know let's let you guys get a few words in edgewise here. Well, this is um, what, what we've done in the last couple episodes is we get members of, of the audience, of people who have been watching, and hear what they have to say about the ideas and how they affect. And you know that old, like, um, uh, you know, you, even if you did something bad in the past, you shouldn't keep suffering for it. But I have to continually suffer for my decision when we were at our New York event <laughs> to film these interviews in the room with everyone else because it's super loud in there. But I thought, oh, there's the background noise won't be that bad. So we have subtitles on this one again because there's a lot of background chatter. But just focus in on what's being said and, and you can really get into it. This is Ryan Brown from our New York event. And I asked him, what have you gotten out of these Swedenborgian concepts and this is how we begin. One thing I would say is um, the idea of correspondences, um, particularly in regard to, um, through the lens of Carl Jung's ideas of synchronicities. Um, because I think what he said is, there is a correspondence between your own inner life um, and inner experience and external reality that these things are coordinated beyond time and beyond space, right? And so I think that there is a way to merge that with Swedenborg's ideas, you know, which is saying that there's a correspondence between spiritual realm and the external worldly realm that we're in, you know? Um, and so I think, you know, I certainly have had a lot of synchronistic experiences and it was, having those experiences and then able to go to Swedenborg, go to your show, and then sort of see a way to explain them and a way to understand where they might be coming from and what they need. What I think is that you have experiences that show you that there is an invisible reality somehow interpenetrating this reality. You know, an unseen world, a reality behind the reality. And you learn that not just by someone telling you it's there. You learn that through your own experiences. Reality, I think if you're open to it, will literally show itself to you. And the more you're open and non-judgmental and open to receiving a message, the more messages you actually receive. And when this starts to happen, you're not sure what to make of it or how to interpret it or what it means. 
And so for me, when I was having these experiences, it was around that time that I found your show. And it gives you, uh, I think you would say, a framework for trying to understand what all of this might mean. Because it feels like there's a conscious person who is communicating with you and guiding you in almost like a teacher, you know, and we're like daycare students and they're like the teachers just trying to like develop us and let us grow. And I really think our relationship with the spiritual realm is very much like we're children to them. And uh, my young nephews, my experience with uh, being around them and seeing them develop is it's striking to me how our relationship to young children as adults, I think, reflects and imitates the spiritual realm's relationship to us. You know, I think we really are like the toddlers or children today. And I would say that um, the first idea that really hooked me when I first started to watch your show, and like I said, voraciously, almost as if, you know, binge watching, but you feel like you were starving for something that you didn't even realize you had a hunger for. It's only when you started to get fed that you realized you were hungry. Um, and it was the idea of the evil spirits and demonic entities that are very real, very tangible, as tangible as these books back here. And they're, they're here, and they're almost, the way I think of them is as parasites, or like spiritual parasites or parasites of consciousness. So that just in the same way we see parasites in the natural world, in our realm, they must exist in this realm or field of consciousness in the spiritual realm as well. Um, and it totally changes your way of dealing with your own deficiencies and weaknesses and unhealthy impulses when you know that it's really just this little vampiric sucker that's like attached to your shoulder that's really behind it. Um, it doesn't necessarily make it easier or that you're able to shrug it off immediately or in an easy way. That little sucking vampire is still there and he's hard to get rid of. But at least it gives you some kind of context to understand, you know, who it is that's responsible for you going through this difficult period. For me, it really has been like BCAD, you know, before Swedenborg and life and after Swedenborg and life. And I mean that without hyperbole. It was really life-altering to the point where you cannot, it's a line that you can no longer go back across. It's a bridge you cannot retreat across again. Reality is just different. Life is just different permanently after coming across your ship. And then I wanted to say one other thing, uh, Dr. Jonathan Rose, uh, how amazing and meaningful his contribution has been to me, to the show, and then also his Bible study class, uh, watching the videos of those, um, has given me such a different way of engaging with the Bible, which was something that to me was impenetrable, really, beforehand, or very hard to engage with. Um, almost as if it's like a, a fence with barbed wire and like a lot of overgrown weeds around it and a sign that says, you know, beware guard dog. Like it's intentionally trying to keep you out. It's almost like we're not meant, it's trying to divert us and not to see the inner meaning of it. Like someone put a, a trap door there or something, you know? Um, and the way that Jonathan Rose elucidates it through the Swedenborgian lens 
gives you a totally new, uh, illuminating approach to, to making sense of what can be a very nonsensical text that I love all the time. So thank him for that. He's, he's amazing. Nobody tell Jonathan Rose. <laughs> He's never going to let us live that down. I was just kidding. Great job, Dr. Jonathan Rose. And thank you so much, Ryan, for being willing to do that interview. A lot of cool stuff in there. Oh, Karen, yeah. did you have any uh, reactions to all that? Yeah, uh, I, a lot. I loved what he was saying. A um, couple of things that stood out to me. I liked how he talked about becoming aware of, like, there, <laughs> there, are, there, are, there is a consciousness um, with me, getting messages and synchronicities and things. And I definitely remember that kind of waking up pretty potently for me, actually with my daughter's death um, and just needing needing God's presence more than ever, um, just really waking up to thoughts that would just come in at a certain time with a just very distinct message that I learned to just say, oh, that's you, Lord, you know, or or, or that it's an angel or, you know, that they're, they're with us all the time. Like Ryan was saying that we, we are interacting with this unseen world all the time. And if you do start to consider that, I feel like I've been able to just notice a, a thought or a feeling or, um, or a coincidence that happens and yeah, we're interacting all the time. And I liked what he said about, uh, just being very struck by the idea of evil spirits um, and thinking of them as parasites. And I think that's just a really great way to think of it because I know when I, uh, like he was saying, it's, it's not that um, knowing about them makes it like you can just shrug it off or anything. It's still really challenging to deal with these influences that come to us, but understanding that that something about what's happening to me is hugely helpful because then I just don't sit in like, oh, this is just how, this is just life or whatever. I just, ah, there's, there's spirits that want to feed off of my negativity. And so I'm getting pushed and poked to get upset or get in despair or get afraid. And, and, and just to know that there's um, spirits that feed off of that. It just helps me understand and, and not take that, those dark clouds as sweet as a, uh, Curtis talks about in News from Heaven as reality, but just as that, like these weather patterns that come through and um, kind of know why that's happening. Um, uh, and also I loved how he said, not realizing you are hungry for information, but then he's just eating it up. Uh, I think that's awesome. So I'll stop there. There's more, but I'll let you guys get a word in, you know. Very cool. <laughs> Thanks, Karen. Great. Okay. What do you guys got? Karen, did you, you want to go? Yeah. Um, I too was really struck by the, uh, the the starving for something he didn't know what he was hungry for about particularly this the reality of uh, demonic spirits or however he said it. The value for me in those thoughts is that it's not me. Like I can separate from it. I don't have to make it that I'm a failure. For, I'm a failure somehow for being in despair or being you know, judgmental or whatever the problem is at the mm -hmm. time, that just being able to separate that and just put it in the little guy on the shoulder. And he might still hang there for a while, but at least it's not me, you know. Right. And that, that's been a huge help, just the whole concept that our thoughts and feelings come from the spiritual world all the time. Um, another, I, and I'm just very moved by his thing about before off left eye, 
and after off the left eye. I've talked to a few other people mm -hmm. who have had that same experience before I found you guys and after, and that is just a different worldview. And that's just so amazing. Yeah. It's just so amazingly miraculous to right. me that it's mm -hmm. happening. And great shout out for Bible study. It's been a year since we quit. And that was just a great reminder that that was a good, a good gig. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Chris? Yeah, um, the first uh, mention he had uh, about correspondences, that's something I love to talk about. It's been, uh, so I've been into Swedenborg now for five years, having discovered it through Off Left Eye. Yeah. Um, and, you How'd know. How'd that work out for you? That well, <laughs> it's been downhill ever since. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the idea of correspondences, this, the way in which the spiritual world materializes into this world, and... Uh, there, there's just so much about that that makes everything around you something to be grateful for and something to appreciate. Um, and there's this passage I came across the other day. I'd love to just read really quick. It's like three sentences. Sure. But it's talking about the ancient people, so the ancient church, which is the second church that Swedenborg talks about, and where they used to worship their surroundings. So here's uh, this is from Secrets of Heaven. Um, Holy worship in the ancient church was offered on mountains and in groves. It was offered on mountains because mountains meant the celestial things of worship, and in groves because groves meant the spiritual things of it. As long as that church retained its simplicity, their worship on mountains and in groves was holy, the reason being that celestial things, which are those of love and charity, were represented by those places that were high and lofty, such as mountains and hills. You know, spiritual things, which derive from celestial, were represented by places with fruits and foliage, such as gardens and groves. So here are these people, and everything around them uh, became reminders of the kind of beauty of the divine, and right. that divine's uh, kind of flowing into this world. Uh, so just before I, we had this show tonight, I was just out in nature, and I was just reflecting on the fact that there are things in nature that can teach us and represent parts of our spiritual walk, that nature is actually an aid to us if we can see it for what it is, for the deeper spiritual qualities. And the correspondences offer the language for understanding the de deeper parts of nature. Yeah. That to me is epic. Yeah, no, it's, it's huge, man. It's unprecedented. Huge. And, and um, I want to say that I, w I love that we're like little kids and they're babysitting us because <laughs> I do think when... Swedenborg is talking about angelic ideas being like, and this was in a news from heaven that may have aired yet, may not have, I don't know, we've, we've filmed it already, but the angelic ideas are sort of more like the what's going on inside the body versus our ideas are like the external of the mm. body. I, I do think it's like if you were trying to explain the internet to a to a two or three year old that this is, you, I need to talk in ways that are things you understand. What if it was like one toy could go uh, across the room really, really fast? <laughs> that's that's the reason why there's. it's a little hard for the two to connect and why we have to have particular concepts as a plane for angels to operate into. Because mm -hmm. you can talk to a kid if you, you say, well, you know how when you something, well, this is kind of like that. That's what they're trying to do. So I think that was a cool point that mm -hmm. he made there. All right, let's get, we're gonna get back to your questions now. Thank you so much for Ryan for that again. Uh, before we do, how do you think this whole show happens? Well, it's because people like you step up and support it and make it possible. So here's how you can do that right now. 
Please consider joining our community of sustaining supporters by going to otle.causevox.com and setting up a recurring monthly donation at a value of your choice. Any amount helps. Our sustaining supporters are the backbone of what we do at Off the Left Eye and allow us to continue to create high-quality programming that nourishes thousands every week around the globe. Your help makes a difference. Thanks, everybody, who has supported us. We really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully this show was worth it. Um, so we're going to get back to the questions. Before we do, Chris, how's the uh, the audience doing? Are, have they all left the chat room? Or? Uh, there's like two left. Um, <laughs> and the, the two that I'd like to talk yeah, to. Right. Uh, uh, so I saw that uh, Riggle Piglet, one of the usernames. Uh, yeah. South Africa, it's like 2.30 a.m., and he's... Uh, with us so that's thank you standing we appreciate it tomorrow you're gonna regret it but thank you for standing <laughs> yep and uh, I hear that he want he or she wants to come to the US you know we have studio tours right mm. oh yeah if you want to come and hang out with us we can make it happen yeah that's right and uh, Roya uh, she uh, is someone who's chatting it up in here awesome presence and it's her birthday so, happy, happy birthday, birthday Roya. Roya okay now let's do some questions just like I foretold. <laughs> Matt Klein asks, hey, Matt, what are the processes and events Swedenborg describes to work out, purge, and remove the negative aspects of our spirit after we die to ascend to higher states mm. toward heaven? You know, what do you got to do? You know what the goal is. What, what can we put into action right now? And I would say now is a great time to do it because it seems to be indicating that the work we do now kind of compounds with mm. interest rather than saving a lot of it for the, the other <laughs> side. So what are we going to, what do you got, what would you guys suggest if you were going to clean out stuff? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that came across in reading Heaven and Hell a while back was how in the spiritual world, uh, particularly the world of spirits where we first enter after death, or at least most of us, um, the first stages of that, uh, there's like, you can still wear masks, you know, like that societal term today. Like you can, you can kind of appear one way, but feel and operate inside differently. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's that dynamic is what we're working through in the spiritual world. Uh, and so, for me, the processes to work out are essentially uh, what you feel, and this kind of whole culture within you needs to jive with kind of what's going on without. So your thoughts need to mesh well with your deeds, right. your affection, affections with your actions. Um, and that could be done, that's work that can be done now. Uh, and that's work that uh, when, you, when you can do in baby steps, it really does feel good. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, Swedenborg talks about people who don't, wouldn't, don't even want people, would love people to know their thoughts because their thoughts are in line with how they mm-hmm. act and how they want to be seen. So that's great. Um, Karen, do you have anything? I sure hope I caught the, I'm unable to see the question, so I sure hope I caught it correctly. Um, That, uh, you know, how how we um, go about getting um, refined and purged and things in the afterlife, I think. And uh, I I like to think about like how, how wake up calls happen on earth. Like we're, we go through life and we get wake up calls, right? And they come in many different ways that might be somebody confronts you about something that that you didn't realize you were doing or just a consequence happens and you realize oh man I gotta change something in my life or um, there 
or you read something and you go, oh, wow, I got to think about that. So there are many ways in life that we get uh, wake up calls and, and, you know, they can come in little ways. And then if we don't pay attention, they happen in more drastic ways. But as far as in the afterlife, um, uh, that life review is a, is a huge one to just let you um, see clearly the impact of what you, you know, how you've been living your life. And it's, it's not done in harsh judgment. It's, it's there to help you wake up to, you know, what, what uh, you might not have realized and, and uh, both, both good and bad. You might not have realized, wow, I didn't realize how positive an impact that had. And also I didn't realize that that was hurting. So there's a wake up call in that. And it's, I think I get this feeling like the more we are open to be able to accept wake up calls, the less um, uh, unpleasant it needs to be in the afterlife. Because if you are open to it and you just say, yeah, like, okay, show me what, what is between me and heaven right now. Um, it does, it, it can go pretty easily. Swedenborg says sometimes it can just be like you go through some sort of stressful dreams or something or, uh, you know, uh, just ways that you you process through things. If we resist uh, getting wake up calls, um, then it has to get like just like on Earth. We we ignore those taps on the shoulder. Then, uh, you know, more drastic things have to happen before we uh, wake up. And so in the spiritual world, too. Um, if we are resistant, um, then it's just going to take a little bit more of a, a you know, <laughs> kick in the backside to get you to realize, oh, wow, that's something I, I really do have to let go of. So if I understood the question right, um, there are some thoughts. Well, and even if you didn't, those are still thoughts. Yeah, and I think you did <laughs> and, understand. And good ones. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Cara. Cara, what, uh, what are you thinking? Uh, the word that comes to me is vastations is a word that Swedenborg uses, especially in the older translations. And I'm, it's, I'm blanking on what newer renditions of that Latin word might be. But um, it's... Uh, but I think that it, the question is fascinating because I haven't really thought about what the actual experience would be right. as you're going through the vastations. The point of the vastations is to sort out, do I love myself more than anything else in the world? Or am I willing to love other people or love God? Um, so I, it's like everyone says, it's just the sorting process, some more, and you can get started here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that, um, I'll add like a little sub event that seems to happen. There's like a sort of sorting process inside yourself where there's times when you need to be purged of false ideas. Mm-hmm. That there's sort of like your, your, right. your, the main work is your love. And am I going to love what's good and, and fair and honest and right and just? Or am I going to love what's mine regardless of whether it harms other people or is good or bad or whatever? But then there's there's stuff that even if your heart is leaning in a good direction, you may have concepts in your True. mind that are in the way. I'm thinking of when Swedenborg talked about the false heavens, that there's a, the whole beginning of the book, uh, Married Love or Conjugal Love, is people who had these uh, incorrect ideas of what heaven is, they had to go, rather than angels just come and tell them, that's actually incorrect, <laughs> and now come this way. Mm-hmm. And instead they say, yeah, go for it. And, and pe- people have to, from living experience, spew those ideas, like go live them out, realize this is not 
what I thought it was. This is not good. See, in some cases, see how ridiculous those ideas are and then freely reject them which allows them to, to move. And there's also teaching processes, right? Yeah, Zimberg will lots talk about education. Yeah, people, people having false ideas or, or, or ideas in need of upgrade being taught and given those. So some of it is this, you know, like you're saying, dark night of the soul, kind of break, break you down a bit so you can have that humility of heaven. And the other side is you're going to learn some stuff, which that, that's a cool part and, and, and less dramatic, but, but also important. Mm. So. Great. Hey, let's uh, let's do one more question before the the night is over and we all go out and party super hard. Okay, <laughs> Michael C. At, yeah, right. I'm gonna go right to bed. Michael C. <laughs> asks, <clears throat> do heavenly spirits or spiritual spirits do missionary work to help the growth of spirits in hellish communities? Mm. So, and for anyone who's not familiar, right? You have heaven and hell, but all uh, heaven is does everyone in heaven does something useful. So you can have an angelic job that, that you're helping somebody. Yeah. And so there's all these people in hell who are choosing what's evil and false, but God doesn't want anyone to suffer more than they have to. So do angels go down there and try to, like we're saying, educate or, or, or turn things around there? Uh, mm. What do you all think? Cara? I, f- I feel like I've uh, seen passages that talk about angels, like, keeping order um, mm-hmm. and governing in some way and... Uh, trying to keep the damage to a minimum. But I'm not remembering at the moment anything about them trying to change people's minds. Right, right. Help help the growth of spirits and hellish communities. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So but but we do have you definitely have some damage control and you have some okay, I'm gonna keep you from doing that, even though you want to, that that will be a, a problem. Chris, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. There's one passage I remember reading, and I'm not going to be able to cite this. Uh, well, like what? Don't bring it. Up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was a group of angels going down to a certain community in hell and encountering, I think, two hellish spirits. And I remember what Swedenborg reports is that these angels looked at these hellish spirits and heard their kind of spewing of hatred at them, and these angels said okay, we forgive you for being the nature that you are. You know, you don't, you, you're so wrapped up in this, you can't see that there's an alternative. Like, there's yeah. this heaven reality that is just so far beyond uh, the kind of uh, circuit you're going around in, this circuit of hatred or, or malice. Even though that's the case, and even though you want to harm us, uh, we forgive you still, because we, we see you. We, right, and that to me was just like crazy powerful. Yeah, that's cool. Mm. Yeah, that's cool. Current, do you uh, have any uh, passages in mind? Well, um, I would think that angels will always be wanting to offer truth, you know, and um, bef- before the last judgment in the spiritual world, Swedenborg described angels. So there were all these communities that were mixtures of good and evil people and evil people um, teaching false things and angels would come down and it's, you know, like missionary work, they would, before the last judgment happened, they would try to talk to people and try to get them to understand the difference between good and evil and to, you know, come with them. Um, That's not uh, the same as going into hell, but it was, but there was a mixture of heaven and hell at the time. And so they were going in and, and like trying to talk to people. And Swedenborg talks about, 
himself talking to evil spirits a lot, like, and, and evil spirits being able to sometimes rise up their intellect into heavenly ideas and talk about them with him for a while, but then they don't love those ideas. So they just sink back down into hell. And so I would think maybe that kind of thing happens sometimes that there can be conversations where angels are talking to evil spirits about something and, um, but the evil spirits don't want to stay with that idea. Um, but the last thing I'll say is there's definitely descriptions um, of the Lord of um, bringing people in hell um, from more drastic evil towards lesser evil as they get devastated uh, uh, <laughs> or, or, you know, like um, go through those consequences of their evils and kind of get, um, get a sour taste in their mouth for doing that evil. And so they become kind of a little more tame and doing less drastic things. Um, it seems like there would be some, <laughs> there would be some guidance in there, you know, that, that if, if there, there's a bit of changing of their ways going on. So would there not be maybe some angels helping them to integrate into a less uh, harmful life or a less destructive life from that really destructive life? I don't know, but I, I definitely feel like angels would be there if there's any opening <laughs> to offer um, a better view and a better way, if, if anything um, could be received. Yeah, I think when I, I I think probably whenever Swedenborg is talking about the Lord doing something, it's by means of angels. So I would agree that angels are most likely facilitating that transition. It does talk about evil spirits sometimes getting into yeah, a state of life where they can do a little bit of work, and that being sort of the currency of heavenly joy lifts them a little bit out of that. So I would think that, but by the time you're in hell, it's because you don't care about being. You love evil. It doesn't matter what somebody says mm -hmm. to you. Swedenborg all the time will talk to evil spirits and say, this is where you're wrong, this is where you're wrong. Look, isn't this better? And they'd be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. But it doesn't fit with what they love, so they, they reject it. But it does seem like all this that you guys were all talking about, this mitigation of suffering, the bringing improvements, however um, incremental in the quality of life, it's got to be something that, that angels are working really hard at. And it could be this is one of those things that's improved. In the time since mm. Swedenborg, it could be that there are better systems now. Just like here, we, we're continually working to, let's say somebody uh, is in the criminal justice system, and instead of just locking them up, you figure out like a restorative justice or some kind of way that you're, you're giving them a better shot at life. Or, or people, I even think about people who have various diseases, that sort of being like uh, a place you could be trapped in, but we figured out ways that that's less suffering. Well, evil is like a spiritual disease, that, that maybe there's ways that, that heaven has found that you can, even if you've chosen an evil life, uh, actually have a little more good in there or something. Who knows? New, new spiritual technology is letting that happen, something like that. Okay, so what we love is that you'll ask these questions that are right at the margins of our understanding so that we can speculate <laughs> on them, because if there's really a whole spiritual truth that's as vast and broad as physical truth, there's no way that a couple of us up here, that having read a couple of hundred-year-old books, are going to know it all. So the point is to get to have fun talking through it. And I couldn't have had more fun than I did with you all tonight. So thanks, Karin. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Kara. And thanks, everybody at home. Like and subscribe if you want to say thanks back. That's an important part of uh, the way that things happen. And 
we are not just going to ditch you after this show. We're actually going to continue our channel onward. We've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. News from Heaven this week. That's where we go through particular ideas in Swedenborg, unpack it, and how does it relate to your day-to-day mental states. On Thursday, we're going to have a show called Angel's Thoughts. Angel Thoughts are like organ systems. That's the real title of it. And then Why Angels Have Good Days and Bad Days. So two angel shows, two very different things. And yes, one of those is the show that I referenced in here as upcoming. So there you go. Then short clips. You, we asked uh, what you guys wanted to talk about. And looks like we're going to be doing what the Lord's Prayer means for your personal journey and the spiritual meaning of numbers. So we'll have those two short clips coming out next week. Next Monday, we're going to be continuing our series on what to expect after you die with how to get a home in heaven. This is not just what's heaven like, but how do you integrate? How do you be a part of it? And it actually does have to do with the spiritual building that, that you're in. And then the following Monday, we're going to be back with Food Morgan Life Live talking about what does it mean to be born of water and spirits. So a lot of cool stuff coming up, and we only can do any of this because you're all interested. So thank you for mm-hmm. your interest. Thanks, everybody, and we will see you very soon.